I think that the biggest thing that you can do as a teacher, as a trainer, as a coach, whether it's basketball, business, or just life in general, is not give them the answers, help them find the answers, hold them accountable. And I always use the GPS kind of you know, analogy of, these players tell me where they wanna go, and my job is to be the GPS. I tell them the most efficient and effective route to get there. If they get off course, it's my job to reroute them and get them back on course, but they have to drive mm. themselves there. Welcome back to another episode of The Burn. I know I almost say this every single time because I enjoy this so much and it's an incredible opportunity for me to spend time with individuals that have meant so much in my life, influenced me in my life, but today is incredibly special and there's a couple reasons why. Before we get there, I wanna start with a question. Have you been challenging yourself to think big enough? Have you been connecting enough to your burn which will lead to the action that's gonna cause you to have your dreams come true in your life. Now, as I share some of the things about Drew, you're going to realize that Drew Hanlon is one of the biggest thinkers I've ever been around. Now, I know this is gonna make him uncomfortable because <laughs> he's a humble dude, but I'm just gonna go here and talk about Drew for a little bit. But he's one of the biggest thinkers that I've ever been around. One of the things that's really cool about this episode, we wouldn't be having this episode, filming it right now, being with you right now if it wasn't for Drew. You see, one of the things I've always believed is surround yourself with people who help you think bigger and help cause you to take action. The Burn was actually created in April, sitting in a hotel lobby in LA when I went to go see my guy Drew. And we were sitting there just chatting and we were talking about his show, The Unseen Hours, which if you haven't checked it out, you better go check out The Unseen Hours. And The Unseen Hours has just been an incredible way for him to go behind the scenes, and we're gonna talk about that mentality later, with the players that he works with in the NBA is one of the top, if not the top NBA skills trainer in the world today, and maybe ever. So I want you guys to think about something. Drew shares with me an opportunity to create a series called The Burn. Now I was talking about The Burn, but he says, what if that turned into a series? So he kind of challenged me, right? I had to choose to take action. So I want you to think about an area in your life where maybe you've been pushed, maybe you've been challenged, maybe he's gonna cause you to think a little bit bigger, and I want you to think about it and I want you to take action. That's the challenge. Are you willing to take action on maybe something you hear right now? Now the reason why I know this may happen and why I say Drew's one of the biggest thinkers that I've ever been around is because Drew just turned 30. Now I know I don't do tons and tons of resume stuff, but it's the story that inspires me. At 17 years old, Webster Groves High School here in St. Louis, Missouri, Drew started training individuals in the game of basketball. Actually wrote his first basketball skills training book that he sold out of his trunk at 17 years old. He then goes on after winning a state championship at Webster Groves, goes to Belmont University. An improbable run, believing in his teammates, him taking all of his expertise, his hard work ethic, his belief, doing the little things that make a difference, Stopped eating sugar when he was 10 years old, even birthday cake, no alcohol. See, all the details that some people are unwilling to do it goes to Belmont, NCAA tournament run. Actually at Belmont, check this out, right? You talk about vision in your belief system. He had players on his team saying, Drew, why do you spend this time like training people for basketball? What are you doing? And Drew would look at his teammates and say, I'm going to be the top skills trainer in the world one day. I'll be training all the top NBA players. 
Fast forward to today where we sit right now, there'll probably be four all-stars from the individuals that he coaches just this year. 25 of the top 50 players on the roster of individuals that Drew works with. So when I say an opportunity to think big, I think Drew is going to help you stretch your thinking. 17 years old, basketball training book, now recognizes the top NBA skills trainer in the world from the courses to traveling the world to speak. He's getting ready to go on a three-month tour all over the world to do basketball training and speaking. And now recognizes one of the top corporate speakers in the world because his methodology in sports, when applied to business, is now driving big-time results in the business world. So I know that's uncomfortable <laughs> for you because you're a humble dude. And if I didn't say that stuff, you're not going to say it about yourself. But my friend... Drew Hanlon, such an influence you've had on my life. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and to talk about your burn. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's fun. You know, I, like you already mentioned kind of how it all started. It was, it was cool for me, but, you know, like you, I like to always challenge people. My big thing is, like, if, if I can impact somebody to do something great in their lives, then it's a win in my life as well. And I think that, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, was instilled in me. My grandma was, you know, one of those people that dedicated her whole life to giving back to others, primarily in Haiti. Um, and I saw her charitable work and and for me it was like okay you know obviously there's a ton of people out there that really need you know other people to really help them and inspire them and uplift them but uh, there's also so many people that don't necessarily maybe need it but they want that kind of help to get to the next level in their personal lives whether it's on the basketball court in a classroom in the business world or just somebody that needs a helping hand to kind of live a happier life or a, a better version of, of kind of what they're currently doing. And so, um, you know, I love just, you know, you know, talking always with you just because you uplift so many other people. And that's something that we have in common is we both love to not better people, but help them better themselves. And I think that's the gift that's truly special is not giving somebody a fish, teaching them how to fish, but taking that to the next level of actually like impacting someone's lives and changing someone's lives, planting seeds where, they get to be the one that actually, you know, flowers them, tends to them, and then they reap the benefit when it comes time to, uh, you know, to actually to enjoy that flower that they've, they've taken care of. So I, I think this is really interesting hearing this part from you because we've never talked about your grandma before. So is that where the work ethic started? And then I know your father has had just one of the coolest meat companies. I mean, you talk about people who have survived when bigger companies have come in. Your father's reputation here at St. Louis is second to none. And your mother's work ethic and her being an athlete and all these things. She so had all these examples. But then what I love is like you challenge me, but you there's a way you go about doing it where you're almost looking like, how am I not going to take action when he's doing this? So was it that example that fueled the burn in you to do it for yourself, but then to enable you to want to go coach others? Yeah, I think so. I think that if you look at kind of how I was raised, it was one of those things where, um, you know, if you start with my grandma, my grandma used to always say, you'll never have everything you want, but you'll always have more than you need. And what that meant was, hey, listen, there's always things that you're going to want. You're going to want a better car. You're going to want a bigger house. You're going to want better clothes, et cetera, et cetera. But just know that while you're seeking those things and while you're trying to obtain those things, you always have more than you need. You have more clothes than you need. You have a better car than you really need because you really need to get point A to point B. You have a house you know, that's sheltering you. That's all you really need. You don't need the extra rooms, the extra mm -hmm. whatever. And so when you live a life where you're counting your blessings instead of kind of stressing over the things that you don't have, that changes your mentality to a, you know, a, a happy state. Then you look at kind of the things that I was around. So my, my dad runs Hanlon's Meat Shop. 
which his grandfather started, my great grandpa. And my dad never tended to do that. He intended to, you know, actually be a veterinarian. And, you know, when my grandpa started helping out my great grandpa, um, you know, when my great grandpa passed away, my dad went to help his dad, my grandpa out. So that's where I get kind of the loyalty from, the hard work, the day to day. He's the company's built on handshakes. You know, there's no such thing as contractual obligations. It's I looked you in your eyes and we shook hands and you said you were going to do something. And I said I was going to do something. And so, you know, you look at how I am with my clients. It's all based on relationships and and trust and loyalty. And and I get that directly from my dad. And then for my mom, you know, she was there day to day, you know, with us. She was a stay at home mom, but was always you know, doing little side gigs all the time. You know, now she does really, really well on eBay. She was just making us do lemonade stands and we were cutting grass and we were shoveling snow. And, you know, if we wanted candy from Ben Franklin candy store back in the day, we had to go out and do something. And so she was kind of the one that instilled, like, if you want something, you got to understand what the process is to get it. And then it's up to you to do that process if you really want that. And so um, you know, for all of us, we all, my sisters and I, we all wanted scholarships. And so she said, hey, there's two ways to go about that, academic scholarship or athletic scholarship. Now you can pursue both because obviously they help if you're a good athlete, if you're also good, you know, academically. Um, but that's why we were waking up at 5.59 a.m. And, and working. And it was never something that they forced us to do anything. It was never my dad saying, listen, you have to do this. Or my mom saying, you have to do this. It was more so of, hey, do you really want what you're saying that you want? You know, my mom would just casually you know there there might be days where my alarm didn't go off at you know 4:59, and my mom would walk in there at 5:05 a.m and say hey like do you want to be the best in the area or like are you cool with sleeping in today and my alarm ever since i was little ever since the iphone came out is always read you know sleeper success you choose and when you wake mm. up and you see that sleeper success you choose it's hard to press the snooze button you know what i mean <laughs> like i'm not going to choose the the sleep over the success and so I think there are a ton of influences around me, but um, I also think that it's just been a lot of people have challenged me or have just asked me kind of, what do you really want? And from there, you know, it's, it's an easy, you know, kind of answer of what you want. But then the harder part is, okay, now what is it going to take to get what you want? And are you willing to do everything that it takes? And um, fortunately for me, I've been blessed to have a bunch of people in my life that have challenged me and supported me in kind of pushing me and pulling me and tugging me when I needed those extra nudges to think bigger, do more, and ultimately achieve kind of the ultimate happiness that I was after. Now one of the, the interesting things, because when you talk about the work, and I know your mindset, and people have heard so many quotes, but you literally say it better than I think I've ever heard, it's right there on your t-shirt, but you came up with the philosophy of the unseen hours. People talk about the work that's done when nobody's watching, but you've really developed that and helped instill that in all these NBA players, and you did it yourself. So tell us a little bit about your mindset of attention to detail, but attention to detail within those unseen hours. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of actually random, but it, it started with um, when I was in eighth grade, I got my first ever recruiting letter. The reason I put the kind of quotations around it is because in eighth grade they send recruiting levers to everyone that they think could possibly have a chance. And so I got a letter from Jim Les, who was at Bradley University. Um, they had actually done a Sweet 16 run, so they were kind of getting some buzz, and they sent out basically any camper that had attended like an elite camp got the letter, but at the time, you didn't care. You felt special. And so I opened up the letter, and it said the image of it had a quote on it that said, the image of a champion is someone bent over, dripping in sweat at the point of exhaustion when no one is watching. 
thought that was awesome. I was like, you know what I mean? That is like the image of a champion. Someone that is literally putting in countless hours of work when no one's watching, dripping in sweat. They don't get credit for it. But when the lights are on, when the stands are filled, everyone will see the work that they're putting in. And um, I hung that over my bed when I was in eighth grade. And, you know, going through shooting a thousand shots every morning, if I didn't make 850 out of a thousand threes, I would redo it at night. I still practiced after school with my team. I still went to the gym to work on my other skills after practice. Mm. I was obsessed with getting better. But for me, it was my only chance. I was undersized. I was, you know, an average athlete. So I had to outwork everyone else that maybe was born with more capabilities. Uh, but what they weren't born with was that, that drive and intensity and passion and, and commitment that I was. And so I think that a lot of people, when they're, when they're born with kind of disadvantages, they frown on those disadvantages. They look at those as excuses instead of saying, you know, oh, man, I, I'm not very tall. I said, you know what? I'm quicker than that tall guy. You know, instead of saying, you know what? I'm not as athletic. You know what? I was blessed with harder work ethic so I can outwork that guy so eventually I can be just as good of an athlete. And so I think that so many times people look at what they don't have instead of focusing on what is my advantage? What do I have? And what are my capabilities? And I think that the comparison game is where a lot of people lose it. So now we go back to the unseen hours kind of quote. So the image of a champion, someone bent over, dripping in sweat. So a lot of people don't know how I started my training career. So what, what happened was I wanted a new car. My car that, that I had at the time had maybe 180,000 miles on it, had a huge dent in the side, but I was so, I, I was like so obsessed with it because it got me from my house to the gym. And that's all I needed to do, <laughs> point A to point B. But the problem was, we ran into it, uh, you know, my birthday's in September, September 28th. We didn't know that in the winter, when it snowed, it wasn't gonna start. So we had to jumpstart at any time it got too cold or it snowed the night before, or maybe even rain. So I needed a new car. And so uh, I looked for a job and, and uh, you know, referees paid $18 an hour. And so I was like, you know what, I want $18 an hour because $18 an hour as a high school kid is like a million dollars. You know, it's like a million dollar salary. And so I went to the facility I said, hey, I'd love to talk to Matt Brobeck, who's in charge of the facility. I said, he's not in right now. I said, okay, that's totally fine. They gave me his card. I, I email him, I call him, I leave him a voicemail, and uh, I still didn't get a response. And so I went back up to the facility. I said, hey, listen, I emailed him, I called him, still haven't heard from him. And um, she said, you know, listen, I don't think he's in his office. I think he just took a lunch break, but you can go check if he's in his office downstairs. So I walked downstairs, knock on the door, don't get a response. Me being 16, didn't really know business etiquette. So I open up his door, check if he's there, he's not there. I see a post-it note. So sure enough, I take one of his post-it notes and said, hey, listen, I know you got my messages, call me. So sure enough, Matt finally calls me, you know, maybe a half hour later, 15 minutes later and says, hey, listen, uh, why do you want this job so bad? I explained the car and he said, let's find some time to meet sometime this week. I said, I know you're at your office right now. I'll see you soon. So I got in my car. Luckily it started at that time. I got to the facility and I sat down and I started talking to him and I explained, you know, what my situation was. And uh, he said, you know, why do you want to be a referee so bad again? And I said, listen, I've already told you I need a new car, 18 bucks an hour. He asked me what credentials I had for a referee. I said, none. He said, you know, have you taken any courses? I said, none. He said, no experience, none. He said, well, you have to have experience. I said, listen, I promise you I can do a better <laughs> job than the refs that are blowing calls during my game. He said, I, I understand, but that's not good enough. You actually have to have some kind of you know, things to back you up uh, before I can hire you. He said, but listen, my son doesn't really pay attention to me. Uh, you know, he's at that age where he would rather listen to somebody else. Why don't you coach my son's basketball team? 
And I was kind of like, okay, that doesn't really help me out. He's like, I'll give you 18 bucks an hour. And so I was like, boom, I retired from being a referee before <laughs> I ever started. And I was a coach. And when I was coaching them, I cared about the long-term success of those kids that were on the sixth grade team. I was like, you know, who cares if we win the league at sixth grade? I want to prepare these players so they have a foundation that'll help them improve so that eventually if they want to be high school you know, players or if they want to be college players or professional players, they at least have the foundation so that they can easily grow. So instead of working on jack and threes, let's work on getting good mechanics that work for their age where they're not physically mm. as strong so that eventually when they do add strength to their game, they can improve. Let's work on, you know, weekend development so they don't have glaring weaknesses so that, you know, they have vulnerabilities when they're out there on the court later in life, et cetera. Learn, worked on spacing because coaches love, you know, players that know how to play the game, worked on decision making so they can make the proper reads, et cetera. And so um, part of the deal with the facility was if I coached, I also got to work out at that facility. And so there was three courts. Uh, court one and court two one day they were had a tournament going on and I was on court three and sure enough I was working my butt off hands on my knees dripping in sweat and I had a parent come over George Baker he put his arm around me and said you know it scared me I literally was kind of shook up and, and he said listen he said I've never seen somebody work so hard he said is there any way that I can pay you to work out my son who doesn't get it he doesn't work hard I want him to see what real hard work is he's like is there any way I could pay you 20 bucks to work out my son and I said, boom, now I'm a trainer. $2, $2 pay raise. raise. <laughs> uh, I was a businessman, you know. But I fell in love with the process of not only helping the players, but helping them as people. And it was amazing how many times when I started working out players, their parents would say, hey, listen, we love what you're doing for our son as a basketball player. But more importantly, we love what you're instilling in him as a young man. And so I, I found myself just obsessed with the being able to help people through basketball. It combined two things I love. I love helping people. I love basketball. I kind of put those things together. And um, the Unseen Hours to me was all about helping players master the work that they do behind the scenes when no one's watching, the, where they're never going to get credit for it, but un helping them understand that, that those hours are going to be seen and they're going to get credit and they're going to get advances. They're going to, you know, there's so many things that come out of those Unseen Hours, but they have to understand they have to master those Unseen Hours if they want to take control of their life and take control of kind of where they're headed. And so um, that's and, all it's been about. And, and I know in the corporate world, when you go and do business speaking engagements, it's really the same thing. It's the details. We all understand what we need to do, but oftentimes it's not consistently showing up and driving those behaviors. And it's the same in the business world. It, it's not the work when people see you. It's the little things and learning what's going to make you great, but following through with the activities when nobody's watching. Now, here's what's, what's really interesting, and I'd, I'd love to finish here, because relationships mean so much to me, and I know relationships mean so much to you. You basically just explained that you planted the seeds to coach these little kids, and you believed in giving them all the tools that they needed in life and in basketball. And when I look at the relationships you've built, everybody would want, oh, I would love to work with these NBA stars. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. But what I think is most amazing is the relationships you have with these guys. And it's almost like every time I hear stories or we talk, you start with the relationship first rather than basketball-related things. Yeah. They, they come to you for basketball. But, like, the deep-rooted nature of the relationships. And the other thing, and I want you to speak to it, because if you guys are listening, far too many people, I know you see this in business, and I see it in business and sports, people think about money. They're always, when am I going to make the money? When am I going to make the money? And you have, are somebody who your whole life, You've lived relationships first, money takes care of itself. So why are the relationships? I know that's part of your burn. Yeah. Why does that mean so much to you in a world where more people are focused on results and money? 
I think the, the, the biggest thing is it goes back to the quote that I started with, the kind of we are never going to have everything we want, but we're always going to have more than we need. And I, I live in a, in a place where I feel extremely blessed for everything that I've been you know, given or earned, because some things were given to me and some things I've earned. Um, but I, I think that that's where it starts from. But it, it's really impacting people's lives is, is something that is the greatest currency to me. And it's, it's seen somebody, you know, I, I've got multiple clients that have come out now and uh, to the public and said, you know, I was depressed, now I'm happy. I've had guys that have been on different medication mm. and now they're living a life where they feel fulfilled and they're, they're in a state of happiness. Those are the busy, biggest success stories. Sometimes people will see points per game going up. Sometimes people will see this, but I always say that I care more about them as people than players and I care more about transforming their lives than I do transforming their game. Now, they go hand in hand. You know, if you transform a player's lives, it's easy to, the basketball takes care of itself because they're already really special, you know, but um, I think that the biggest thing that you can do as a teacher, as a trainer, as a coach, whether it's basketball, business, or just life in general, is not give them the answers, help them find the answers, hold them accountable. And I always use the GPS kind of, you know, analogy of, these players tell me where they want to go, and my job is to be the GPS. I tell them the most efficient and effective route to get there. If they get off course, it's my job to reroute them and get them back on course, but they have to drive mm. themselves there. And in the business world, it's funny because a lot of times you win somebody over by using something as simple as like a diet. And so, so many people say, you know, oh, I got this new diet that I'm going to try. And I say, listen, if you want to lose weight, what do you need to do? You need to eat better and work out. You know the answer. So stop buying the diet book. Stop buying these <laughs> new fads. You just, you got to put in the work. And the keys aren't that. You got to go into the details. What that means is the first thing you need to do is go in your kitchen and eliminate any snack that you could get your hands on. Take it out. Second thing is go restock it with all the stuff you want. Now, what happens if your spouse or your loved one wants to keep some of that junky food? That's great. Put a note card up there that has how many calories on it. So that when you go to reach over, you're aware, and now you have to make two conscious decisions. One, you have to go to the cabinet and say, I'm going to snack. Now, two, you have to go over the hurdle of grabbing that 340, you know, calorie little in your, well, if, now, if, if there's two defenders in your life and you still go up, <laughs> you just don't really want to lose weight. But um, those are the little details Man, that, that make so a difference. True. You know what I mean? And so um, I think that most people don't set themselves up for success because they don't go into the details. They don't go into little nuances. And um, I think that whether it's basketball, business, life, if you have somebody that not only reverse engineers kind of everything that's going on in your life and, and rewires, you know, mentality, but you always talk about the daily disciplines, set up your daily disciplines to set yourself up for, for success, then you're going to really have a chance to not only get to where you want to go, but take you a little past it. Because there's so many times where players will come to me and say, I want this. I'm very realistic to them and say, hey, listen. I can get you there, but not the way you want, not doing the things you're currently doing, and probably not in the time you want, but if you give me an extra two, three years, and if you do an extra X amount of workouts and put an X amount of hours on your own, I can get you even past there. And it's fun when you're honest, you're transparent, you're kind of, uh, you know, all in, and uh, you know, there's two ways I always say that you can make change. You can gradually change or you can shock the system. And for me, I'm all about shocking the system, going all in, and actually getting real results that transform lives. Now you guys see why this guy impacts the <laughs> hell out of me. And uh, I appreciate you probably more than you know. And uh, I've always been a big believer to have mentors that you'll never catch and to have people that you have in your life despite age, right? Many people say, oh, well, 
30 years old, right? Dude, you influenced the hell out of me. And uh, I just want it to publicly be known <laughs> how much uh, I appreciate you. And I appreciate that you challenged me to even start this, because without that challenge, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. And the influence has been great, the feedback's been great. And I want everybody to go check out the Unseen Hours. You talk about millions of views on YouTube. Go follow Drew, I'm telling you guys, the inspiration, the thinking bigger, it's amazing when you have guys like this in your life that they're consistently there showing you a different path that you can go on. So accept this challenge to do something differently, to take action, the little action, the little disciplines that Drew talks about. And we're also gonna have a double episode. We're coming back for more with Drew because some of the stories and the mindset that he's learned from players, we want you to understand that too. But there's too much that goes on just with this guy that I knew would be an inspiration before we talk about any player. So I appreciate you and uh, helping me think bigger to continue to fight the good fight. Thank you, my man. This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com. Your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.